Welcome to episode four of the Telford Tigers podcast, titled Hi Ho Silver Liner, with host James Lou away on holiday. It's myself, Scott McKenzie, filling in just for tonight. Um, I'm joined by Steve Molyneux. How are you doing, Steve? I'm fine, thank you, Scott. Yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. I'm uh, rather hot. Um, we've probably had one of the hottest weeks of the year so far. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's bothering me a little bit, to be honest. Actually, looking out the window, I can see some thunder and lightning right now. So uh, hopefully they don't yeah. hit the roof of the house and we can carry on doing the podcast. Uh, yeah. Also joining me tonight is Tom Watkins, Telford Tigers head coach. Tom, how are you? How was the golf tonight? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I had a great holiday over the last couple of weeks, so very refreshed. Um, and golf was very good this evening. Had a, had a steady 21 points on the front nine, so... I'm hoping when I left the club this evening, I might be going back next time and collecting some winnings, so we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that'll be the case. So it's about time your handicap's come down, to be fair. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, okay, so first things first, let's, uh, some announcements this morning from the Telford Tigers um, social media was that um, Captain Jason Silverthorne has returned for his seventh, seventh season with the Tigers. Um, Silver joined the Tigers in the EPL from the Hull Stingrays at the time. Um, in his time in the EPL, he scored 111 goals and 98 assists from 137 games. Um, when the leagues then changed to NHL 1 and the Tigers joined that league, um, Silver managed to get 84 goals in 62 games. And then most recently in the National League, uh, Jason scored 31 goals and 50 points. Um, he, he obviously missed a lot at the start of the season through injury, um, so he missed a lot of the games. Um, but Tom, how, how important was it to get Jason back for at least another year? I think it's a really easy question to answer. It was a no-brainer. Um, everybody can see what Jason brings to the team, to the club, um, to the dressing room. He's a, he, he's a leader. People look up to him. Players uh, uh, influenced by him and having somebody like Jason on your team regularly for practice um, in and around the dress room. He sets certain standards, sets certain habits, um, and he makes everybody around around the group better. He's, he's a great person. He's a good friend of all of ours, I think. And um, it really is a pleasure to, to, to have him again in Telford. And I think we're very lucky that he's been um, or settled in the area over the last six seasons. And one of the things I think is a remarkable, not necessarily a stat, but in the six seasons he's been here, he's, he's lifted the, the league trophy three times. And I think that's an excellent record for any player um, to have done that uh, so many times in, in that amount, uh, in those number of seasons. So he's a credit to the club for sure. He's a credit to himself. He's a first-class person. You know, he's fully professional and people might look at his age. You know, he's above 40 now, but he can play for another a number of years. Um, he, he loves the game. He looks after himself very well. He conditions himself very well. And it was only, I think, last week or the week before asking, you know, what, when are we going to be back on the ice? And he's pretty much in shape as he would be now for September. So he said he's going to have to slow his training down or, you know, and, and change his kind of the, the 
the stage he's at for the new season. So he's he's very keen to get back on the ice, and uh, we're very lucky, like I say, to to have him back as part of the club again. And Jason will, of course, be our, our captain going into the new season once we get going. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I've got to slow my training down, ready for the new season, because you know I don't want to don't want to hurt anyone out there. So, but you don't want to peak. You don't want to peak too <laughs> soon. You know, we're only middle of August. Normally, exactly. I've got to take it easy. I think. So I, I, I'm I'm pleased to hear that you've been training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every Sunday morning, eighteen holes. The only thing I want to ask though is, can you put a shirt on right now? <laughs> this is a, the people of the pod don't need to know that I haven't got a top on, Tom. <laughs> don't want to create some jealousy out there. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that. Jason's a, obviously a, a fantastic guy, a fantastic hockey player. Um, I, I have a fortune, misfortune, whichever way you want to look at it. I'm sitting next to Jason um, in the change room, and he's a, you know, he, he, he's someone who he cares a lot about the club. He cares about winning, um, and he's certainly created a, a winning mentality within that group, within that change room. So. Um, for me as a player, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's back as well. Moggy, what do you see? Um, as someone who you know watches a lot of the games and is there, what do you see from uh, a Jason yeah. Silverstone? Well, from spending a little bit of time with the team last season, going away to the games and things like that, and spending a bit of time on the coach, just seeing how he gets on with everybody, and he's uh, he's just a great character in the changing room, and that's what you need with a captain. And also, like you guys have said, you know he, the professionalism with him, um, he, he strives for perfection all the time and, and always gives his, uh, his all. So it just uh, gives off like uh, what a captain is all about, really. And from, from a spectator point of view and, you know, uh, a fan, I think he's a, he's a great asset to the team. He's a great, um, and uh, it'd be fantastic to see him again for another season. He, he lives and breathes the game, doesn't he? You know, he, he's, yeah. he, he watches a lot of hockey. He, Follows a lot of hockey. He speaks to a lot of people about ice hockey, and you know he's the one person in our dressing room that is is a hockey geek, and that's not um, a, a negative or a nasty thing. It's a compliment. He's he's so well versed in in the game of ice hockey. Although you know he he's a captain of the team on the outside. To me, he's almost an assistant coach. Um, he comes in. We talk a lot. We discuss a lot of situations. We just discuss a lot of the lineup and perhaps who we might be playing and how we look and you know what the feeling is and things like that and he's, he's a great conduit from the dressing room to my office so I, I can understand perhaps um, what's happening in the room what's not happening and areas that we need to tighten up on and um, we've, we've developed a, a very strong working relationship that's for sure. Would you put him down as one of your best ever signings? Oh, of course yeah of course for sure you know I think um when when we first signed Jason, it was a totally different club. Um, it was probably a very easy, not an easy decision. He was coming out of the Elite League, but you know we made him a, a strong offer to come here. And um, credit to him, he was awesome. You know he, he came in and did what he did. And I think one of the first thoughts for me was signing somebody like Jason was, you know, am I going to put myself in a position where I've signed a guy that might go after my job? Um, ultimately, you can only you can't say they will or they won't. But you know the age I was signing him. You know, the level of hockey he's been playing, the knowledge of hockey, I was kind of, you know, a little unsure. And I spoke to one or two people about that. And I think ultimately it comes down to the confidence you've got in your own coaching ability. Um, and 
to be fair, it's not something I've ever, ever had to worry about at all. Um, he's, he's a fully committed player um, and he'll play as long as he wants to play, that's for sure. Um, he's just a he's just a good athlete as well and I think that's that's overlooked sometimes from the stands perhaps because he's been here, because they see him over the last six seasons, he probably doesn't get the, the, the credit he probably deserves from the fan base. They just expect a little bit, you know, again, it's... We're fortunate that we've been able to work with, or the club have had guys like Jason, guys like Weaves, you know, who who played at the top level, um, and 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 had long, long, excellent careers. I think I think the one thing that uh, the fans maybe miss, or, or certain people maybe miss, is the uh, the the different side to Jason Silverthorne. Bear with me, I've got water coming in through my windows. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say your roof. <laughs> Yeah, that windows are open. The, the thunderstorm started by the looks of it. Um, it's so, only just started up your end. Yeah, it's coming through the windows, mate. It is literally coming through the windows. But I think I think the one thing about Jason that people don't understand is that the, you know, he he is someone who is the first guy out of the penalty kill. He's the first guy to dive in front of a a shot. Um, defensively very smart. So so. What he did for me is someone, I'm someone that used to always talk about points, about goals, assists, and him, him and Weaves maybe opened my eyes up a little bit about, you know, the different side of the game that's just as important that you don't get recognition for. And I think Jason's certainly someone who um, is massive in that aspect of um, our change room and, you know, making guys accountable when it comes to diving in front of shots and, you know, just doing the things that make us a good team. So uh, for me, Jason's a... A great guy, a great captain, and I think we're very lucky to have him. Yeah, it certainly makes you know part of the, the recruitment easy. You're not bringing in a new import, um, you know, for the new season. You know, we, we've got an easy job really. You only have to recruit two guys, um, but knowing what you have off the bat, knowing what you're going to get week in, week out from your your import, um, gives us an excellent starting point. Okay, so. Great to have Jason back. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, there was another announcement of a returnee, um, and that is Brandon Whistle, uh, my line mate. Um, Brandon arrived in Telford mid-October, became a fir firm fan favourite by the end of the season, amassing 59 points in just 37 games. Um, Tom, were you a little bit surprised that Brandon wanted to come back to Telford? No, who wouldn't want to come back to Telford? I mean, it's a metropolis, isn't it? It's like living in London or Liverpool or Manchester, um, bright lights, big city, you know, the big smoke. Um, um, no, we, we, to be fair to Brandon, we, we spoke at length and when we spoke originally, the first point I knew is, I knew his aspirations to try and move up, obviously at the end of what would have been the end of the season. Um, his goal was to move back to the Elite League. Um, and we're, we speak a lot, um, you know, at the rink, away from the rink and, He'd come in to see me a few times about the following season and ask me what, what I thought. And, you know, I, I'm, although I want to have the best team I can, I also want to try and help players progress. Um, somebody like Brandon had been in Sheffield and things hadn't gone his way. And obviously he was looking for an opportunity to come and play some minutes and make his mark, which he certainly did for us. And uh, probably a little bit of anticipation that he might look to move on. But about four weeks before the end of the season, he came in to see me and said, look, he said, you know, I've really enjoyed it in Telford this season. It's kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, 
about just playing and playing a role and and and, and doing those things well as, as part of the group you know what, what could you do and I suppose at that point I was a little bit surprised because all of our other discussions were around trying to get him a job in the elite league and I was I was trying to support that as best we could and, and perhaps speaking to one or two clubs on his behalf or making an introduction. So at that point, I probably was a little bit surprised um, on one hand. But then I also felt that he, I also had the feeling that he, he enjoyed it and he'd settled quite well in Telford. Um, you know, and, and that's, I think it's a big thing. I think once you're a young guy, being away from home for a long time, moving around for hockey, it's nice to go back to the same place the following season. So... It's perhaps surprised, but on the other hand, perhaps not. So it's a little bit of a you know uh, sit on the fence answer, really. But you know, delighted when we were able to make make an agreement for him to return for sure. Definitely, um, Margie. What did you think when uh, the news was announced that we'd been able to keep hold of Brandon Whistle? Yeah, I was really surprised. I because I, I I knew that he wanted to play elite and uh, he, he he wanted to step up to that back back to where he was. Um, earlier on in the in the season, he was speaking about it, and um, it's just great to to get him back on board because I think he's done a fantastic job for for us um, last season. Um, he was a pivotal player in in what what the team achieved. Um, he's fantastic. He's great off the ice as well. He's he's funny. He always has a laugh and a banter with the the lads. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think he's a fantastic asset to the season. It's great to see him come back as well, um, and be playing for what might be what or whatever season that we get when it starts. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, Brandon was someone that I kind of linked up with in the latter part of the season, and uh, he, he really caught fire. Uh, so creative, super skilled, great skater, good on the puck, and um, you know made it real difficult for opposition defensemen. Um, and, and you know, dead easy to play with. So, for me, knowing that we got Brandon back was I was a little bit surprised, but I was a little bit like rubbing my hands together because you know I, it's it's great that we're able to keep hold of someone like that. What I I would say to our fans, our listeners, is that we we do hope to get Brandon on the podcast. I have reached out to him and spoke to him, um, and hopefully we'll get him on to get his views on returning to Telford. So, um, look out for that interview, guys. Um, I think just just. <laughs> Just to, think, to finish off on, on Brandon, I think um, when he signed, obviously he came in and, and did a great job. But I think what I really liked about the signing and the timing of the signing of we signed him from a position of strength. You know, it was early. Yes, it was early in the season, but we we were in first place. I think when we signed, or we were certainly very very close. So, you know, to sign a guy of that calibre um, just makes every team kind of sit up and get oh crikey that you know. They're in that position already without this guy. How good are they going to be once this additional player arrives? So it certainly added uh, more depth to our roster and, and not just obviously depth, but, but quality quality guy that um, would make things happen. So it made us stronger throughout the lineup and gave us four balanced lines that we could actually play. Um, and, you know, although we didn't have a, a ready-made spot and we bounced guys around the lineup a little bit and Brandon played centre to positions, wings left and right, and it was probably around Christmas that we, we, we started to get a feel for his best situation or best um, support and cast for him, which obviously yourself and Ricky. Um, so, you know, it, it took some time, but in that time, he was, you know, he was still a, a key player for us as well. Yeah. I think some people tend to forget that we played uh, all, all season with one import, 
because um, obviously Jason Silverthorne wasn't classed as an import last season. He was classed as a British player. Brandon was also classed as a British player. So um, for us to achieve what we achieved with just one import, I think, is, is massive as well. Yeah, I mean, Jason missed, what, 10, 12 weeks as well with a yeah. broken hand. So, you know, to do it, like you say, with, with predominantly one was, was first class. Um, so moving on, uh, the, we recently had a, an announcement from the EIHA regarding the re return to play plan and all 10 teams' commitment to some sort of league hockey at some point. Um, Tom, what, what was your input in that meeting and um, you know, what, what can you tell us? I think it's important to, to let the fans know that the, the 10 teams within the league structure are, are working very hard as a group, not, not nobody on there homepage, nobody trying to pull away and do anything differently. I think everybody understands the importance of a strong league and that doesn't matter who wins or who finishes last, everybody's got an equal say and share in the league um, of how we go about our business and I, I like the uh, management group, you know, it's, uh, it's a smart group of, of people who've perhaps been around ice hockey a long time and we've all seen the pitfalls of that and so hopefully it, it does make us um, wiser about the current situation. The league, the league, the EHA perhaps haven't had too much input into that at the moment from, from where I sit, you know, other guys around the table perhaps have those conversations. As, but the, the, the input from the actual league, the teams themselves has, has been excellent and everybody seems to have a very good working relationship. It's very difficult to plan as everybody I'm sure is aware. Um, you, you feel like you're going, or I certainly feel like we've been going around in circles now for a little while. It's very difficult to put a, a date in in that you know you're going to be able to work to. So I think one of the things that we've tried to do is make sure that we we're going to work backwards from an end date to whenever we can start, and when we have a start date in place, we'll be able to put a league structure together. Um, and you know, in terms of games and competitions and things like that, because obviously we we just don't know, and um, it, it it is concerning at the moment. You know, you you. you I was always one for kind of thinking that we'd be definitely up and running by end of September, middle of October latest. But obviously, as time goes by, right now, it would probably take me six weeks, perhaps eight weeks to get a team, not the team on the ice, but to do everything that is still required to do once we know what that setup is, you know, from, from finalising with sponsors to getting season tickets out there to getting housing and equipment sorted, shirts, you know, team strips, etc. So there's, there's a heck of a lot of work that we, we can't do until we have a, a date that we know we're going to physically start. Yeah. 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 Totally understandable. Steve? Yeah, I think that's the frustrating thing about it all, that there's, there's just no kind of definite. It's always fluid and it's always moving at the moment, this, this thing. And um, it must be hard for all the teams but it's nice to hear that, like what Tom's just said, that they're all in it together and they're all they're gelling together with regards to to going in one direction. And that's that's good for the league, I think, because the league's been so over the last few years been so kind of all over the place with teams, you know, disagreeing with certain things. But it's nice to know that the <laughs> isn't it ironic that the the way that we're going with this at the moment, we're unsure of the when the season start, but all the teams are kind of singing off the same hymn sheet for once. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, ice rinks were meant to open on the 1st of August. It was, it was delayed on the, the Friday the just before. The first was a Saturday. And Friday, the Friday the day before, it was all cancelled um, for a further two weeks due to um, 
a, a, a rise in the R rate of coronavirus. Um, you know, so it was disappointing that they moved the date. They moved the date to the fifteenth, but even then, it doesn't seem like that's gonna uh, that's gonna be the date that all ice rinks seem to open. So, um, uh, again, for British ice skating today, there was a extremely hard decision to cancel the winter's figure skating and short track speed skating British Championships. Um, and again, that's purely down to ice rinks being closed. Um, those championships were actually in December and January. Um, so, you know, the fact that those uh, governing bodies decided to cancel those events, you know, it doesn't really sound positive when it, when it comes to ice hockey restarting as well. So it is a bit frustrating at the moment, but hopefully we can get some good news in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got this date that we're, we're hoping that the ice, Telford Ice Rink in area was going to be planned to reopen then the 15th after the initial delay. Um, but you just don't get the feeling that that's that's actually going to happen at the minute. And I think with the conversations around getting kids back to school, which is obviously of, of huge importance, um, I, I can't see them opening more facilities where kids actually may be exposed um, some whether they might attend, you know, for, for fun over the next few weeks of their school holidays. So obviously watch this space, but, you know, driving along today when I was, I was out and I went through Stafford Park and I went by a, a Stafford Park 12 to, to see a company and, um, Area 51's open, so for those that don't know, Area 51's a trampoline park, and for kids or for adults, no different really from a skating facility yeah. or ice rink, um, other than that it's it's not a cold or a, you know, a cold venue. Um, that's the only difference I can see, but I'm just not sure how trampoline parks or perhaps soft plays, I know Wales are on about opening soft plays up this week, um, are, are any different, and from my perspective, I, I'm getting really... Um, irritated by some of the, the choices obviously that the government made but obviously I'm only one individual um, but it, it just becomes very frustrating when you see the amount of support that certain industries are able to receive from the government whereas yes we're only a minority sport and, um, but it, it's, it just makes you feel uh, feel like you're out on a limb Yeah I think that the, the hypocrisy of it is just silly I mean like you just said, the, the, there's, there's a lot of different venues and things that are, that are happening that are no different to the way the ice rink should run. Um, and I just think that it gets, it gets very annoying, especially when you're, you're part of that kind of ice rink and the hockey side of things. Uh, you're going to take it more on board, aren't you? But I think um, it needs to start opening up and getting going now. Uh, especially with all the other things like you've just said Tom with certain things opening trampoline parks and uh, all these soft play places now in Wales going getting the go ahead so yeah, I think it's uh, it's about time they, that, that they saw that the rinks needed to be opened and we go forward with it yeah well as uh, as time goes on we will update everyone as as much information as we know um, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be good news soon. So moving on to the NHL, um, we last week had the return of the NHL last Friday. Uh, we had our first games and uh, over the last week to be playing in the play-in round, uh, which meant that 16 teams were playing for eight places um, and the other eight teams were playing around Robin. Uh, so we're going to go through the play-in series uh, and what happened. 
Um, so Columbus Blue Jackets uh, knocked out the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2. Uh, that was a great series where uh, the Blue Jackets were up 2-1. to one. Um, And in game four, Columbus were actually three goals up. Uh, the Maple Leafs tied the game and then won in overtime to take it to game five. And then the Columbus shut them out in game five to knock um, the Toronto Maple Leafs out. There was a stat where um, Toronto Maple Leafs' top three players their wage bill was something like $34 million. Uh, and Columbus, all 11 forwards, their wage bill was $34 million. What do you think about that, lads? Tom? I wouldn't mind a bit of that for my budget. $34 million. It's it's obviously how you recruit, isn't it? And Toronto put a lot of money into their, into their stars, if you like. And I think asking three guys to... Outperform 11's pretty tough, and that's no disrespect, obviously, to the main and forwards in the Toronto lineup. But I don't know; it just it, it just always feels like something's not right in Toronto, and whether that's from the GM point of view or the coaching or um, the actual group of players themselves, you can never put your finger on it. Um, I'm not a Toronto fan; I know a lot of people who are, um, but it, it's, it's just one of those clubs that I think because it's a original six team, and the amount of time they've had without any success. It's just surprising and, and slightly disappointing, I'm sure. Yeah, Toronto were at home as well. Uh, so the two hub cities that they're playing out of is uh, Toronto and Edmonton. Obviously, Canada's um, rate of infection is nowhere near as, as high as what it is in America. So all the teams have travelled to uh, these bubbles to play. Um, so there's eight teams in Toronto, eight teams in Edmonton. Um, and obviously, they're playing against each other. So... Uh, if we if we move on to the next one, um, it was Minnesota Wild lost 3-1 uh, in the series to Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks have a fairly young roster um, and Minnesota tried to kind of bully them a little bit, but Vancouver, they kind of got through that and, and um, the young players really shone um, in that series. Moggy, did you manage to catch any of that? I didn't see any of that, but um, did... Um... The Canucks, did, did they get uh, many power plays? Because I know they're, they're, they're quite good on the old power plays, the Canucks. Yeah, the, the power play was good. Um, sorry, who, young guy in the back. sorry, sorry uh, to interrupt. Moggy, who are the Canucks? Canucks, sorry. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks. <laughs> the Canucks. <laughs> the Canucks. <laughs> the Canucks. They're from the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> they're the fifth seed, right? The Canucks. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. Uh, they've got a young defenseman, Quinn Hughes. Uh, he's up for uh, an end-of-season award. Very good player. Real smooth, skates well. Um, he's actually got a brother that plays for Detroit as well. Um, and, yeah, Quinn Hughes is one of the hottest prospects in the NHL right now. Uh, moving on, Chicago Blackhawks. They beat Edmonton Oilers uh, 3-1. A bit of a shame for fans because... Obviously, Conor McDavid and Leon Dreinsight are two of the best players in the NHL, and they've been knocked out in the first round. So, um, quite surprisingly, too, Chicago weren't expect, expected to do well. So, um, those old heads like Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, uh, Brandon Saad, they kind of rose to the occasion, and uh, they've got a couple of young guys playing as well. Kubelik, I think it. That ties like you know, you you you're getting by on experience with Chicago. You know that those guys you mentioned that they know how to win, they know how to compete in playoffs. And I was reading something earlier from the Oilers GM, and you know he was saying that McDavid and Drysaddle they need to become more battle tested if Edmonton are going to contend for a cup. 
Um, it's, it's, it's a lot to ask two guys, again, to outperform a, a solid, experienced group. Yeah, well, McDavid had nine points in four games, so I think Edmonton really needed to look at the defensive side of the game and perhaps a net minded as well. Um, the, the, the goal scoring has always been there for them. It's just about at the back, and they really struggled in that series. Um, the next game was Arizona Coyotes. They knocked out Nashville Predators 3-1. Again, a bit of a surprise. Um, Arizona got some good players, but really expected Nashville to, to turn them over, and, and, and they didn't. Um, yeah, I was surprised by that result. You know, Nashville yeah. got a solid lineup, and again, good experience. And if I'm, I might, I might be wrong. But I thought they had a, a pretty good run last year with the, in the Stanley Cup. Um, to 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 be turned over by Arizona was a bit of a surprise, to be truthful. Yeah, they, they had a struggle at the start of the year too. So to even make the playoffs, uh, Nashville w- was good, but they've really struggled with net mining this year. Um, UC Saros got the start. And yeah, he played well, but he was just um, Pecorini wasn't wasn't playing at all. And really, Pecorini is the one with the experience, so perhaps he maybe should have been given the nod, but he wasn't. Uh, the next game was Florida Panthers. They lost to New York Islanders three uh, one. I I personally had expected Florida to win that series. They had a lot of offense, but defensively they weren't good. Um, and New York they play a boring uh, defensive game. But their coach, Barry Trotz, he won the cup. Well coached, yeah. Well yeah, coached. Two, two years ago with Washington. So no surprise there that, that they were able to shut down Florida. Uh, the next one's a shocker. Uh, Montreal Canadiens knocked out the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-1. Um, yeah. Montreal, kind of one of the lowest ranked seeded teams um, going into the playoffs uh, against Pittsburgh, who obviously have you know, the best player in the world, in my opinion, and Sidney Crosby, amongst others, of Gary Malkin. Um, not Kunitz, they've got, um, oh, God, my mind has got Chris Letang. Murray. Up front, who's, you know, a real good player. He plays with Crosby, and his name's just gone from my head. Uh, but I expected Pittsburgh to win that series comfortably and Montreal turn them over. Yeah, I, I agree, Scott. I'm, I'm a big Crosby fan. I know a lot of people... Um, perhaps don't rate him as highly as, as somebody like Muff David, where Muff David's an explosive player. But for me, Crosby's he's just an all-round winner. Um, he's a great competitor, um, and he, he he makes those around him at the team a, a much better group. So I was surprised and actually disappointed because uh, I thought they would uh, have a good, good good chance against a team like Chicago, like Pittsburgh. You know, they've got a group of players that establish themselves in, in that city and have won before, of course. Yeah. I was gonna say that 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 kind of result was the same as really the Canadians and, and the Penguins. It was the same kind of thing with the Blackhawks and the Oilers, wasn't it? In the standings, the way that they kind of finished the season. Um you'd expect it to be the other way round, but yeah, that's the way it goes, I suppose, with the playoffs. I, I, th- I think the thing with the NHL, especially this year and with the wage cap over the last you know, a few years, is that every team's good. You know, there used to be a period in, in the NHL where you knew who was going to be in the Stanley Cup final. I remember as a kid, New Jersey were always in the Stanley Cup final. Every year after year, they were always there or thereabouts. Now, yeah. I look yeah. at the, the lineup and I couldn't even tell you who's going to make the final. No, I have no, no clue. Because all the teams are competitive and they're all good. Um, so looking at uh, the next game was Winnipeg Jets lost the Calgary Flames 3-1. Winnipeg, 
Um, I think it was game one, they lost Patrick Liney. Um, it might have been the same game or game two, but they lost um, Shifley as well uh, to a, a dubious hit by uh, one of the Kachuk brothers. Um, so, they won that yeah. game, though, didn't they, Scott? Didn't they win game uh, two? Yeah, and then they, they lost the next two because, uh, well, they suggest that they didn't have any firepower. Um, Cal- Calgary were a good side, you know, a real good team. So. Yeah, I think Cal- I think Calgary looked good, and, and um, Dylan Dubé, I think he's got a five-game point streak as of last night. You know, he looks he, really good. He looks really solid. Yeah, and playing some great hockey, and I think they've got a, a solid lineup. I just don't think they've got a goaltending that perhaps can win them the cup. Yeah, what I do you guys what, what do you guys think of this? Uh, there's a lot of talk about this Nathan McKinnon for Avalanche at the moment, saying that he's a uh, He's doing well. He's working hard and uh, putting putting a lot of uh, kind of uh, shots on they've, goal at the moment. They've got a solid lineup, haven't they? With uh, Landis, Cog, McKinnon, and I forget the third wheel in that group. Um, perhaps came to had a bit of a, a solid breakout season over the last couple of Rantanen. years. Who, that, That's the one. Now they've got three three stars there, but Landis, has been tipped for a long time to, to be a top-end guy and, and, and was a very young captain, I think, in Colorado. Um, but he's, he's got the, the group around him and it's somebody like McKinnon, you're talking about you know, one of the, the top five or six guys in the world and he's got speed to burn. Do you think they I bet you wish you had his speed, Scott. Sorry, Moggy. I bet Sorry, you wish speed, Scott. McKinnon's. Yeah. The, the last playing game was... Uh, New York Rangers, uh, they got pumped by Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know if you've watched this Carolina team, but oh my God, they are silky smooth. Uh, they got Sebastian Ajo, uh, Timo Teravainen, and another guy with a, a dodgy name. They are just they just tore New York to shreds. Absolutely fantastic hockey, uh, real offensive. Um, but they've got another guy, Slavin. Have you watched Carolina, Tom? I haven't this year, but I know a lot of the guys that you've mentioned. I haven't watched much of this year's NHL, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But yeah. um, they're, they're always a solid group. And, um, you know, I forget what he's called. Was it one of the Sutter brothers? Is he there, Carolina? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's... I don't know, I don't know the first name. No, I, I forget now. There's that many hockey players and there's so many changes all the time. Um, but, yeah, you know, t- teams like them who are, are well-coached and... They've got established guys, um, but, but real quality. There's a great video of Sebastian Ajo doing some figure skating in his hot, in his ice hockey equipment. Um, you know, good one for kids to actually watch. A guy in hockey boots actually do all the all the all the jumps and the spins like a figure skater. Very talented. Haven't they? Yeah. Haven't they got that uh, Chef Chenkov or something as well? Chef that's, yeah. that's the guy I was thinking of. I couldn't say his name. Yeah, he's got he, he scored them kind of lacrosse type goals, didn't he? He's only yeah. a young player, isn't he? Yeah, I had him in my uh, fantasy hockey team. Yeah, he, he just tore it up every game. Yeah. So that was that's the end of the play-in round. So obviously the teams that went through: Carolina Hurricanes, Calgary Flames, Montreal Canadiens, New York Islanders, Arizona Coyotes, Chicago Blackhawks, Vancouver Canucks. Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so that, that meant the, the teams who went out 
which were Toronto Maple Leafs, Minnesota Wild, Edmonton Oilers, Nashville Predators, Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Winnipeg Jets, and New York Rangers, actually went into the draft lottery. Now, the draft lottery is very confusing, so I'm going to try and explain it for everyone right now. So, the seven teams that didn't make the playoffs, plus one of the eight teams that got knocked out in the play-in rounds, which I've just listed, made up the first eight picks of the 2020 draft. Does that make sense? Sort of. Sort yeah. Of. Right? So, the seven teams who didn't make the playoffs will be either one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight in the draft. But one of those places will be taken by either Toronto Maple Leafs, Minnesota Wild, Edmonton Oilers, Nashville Predators, Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Winnipeg Jets, or New York Rangers. Yeah. So they, those eight teams go into a hat. One of them gets pulled out and will go to a spot. So the original lottery um, was picked out. So in eighth place, Buffalo Sabres. Seventh place, New Jersey Devils. Sixth place, Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Fifth place, Ottawa Senators. Fourth place, Detroit Red Wings. Third place, Ottawa Senators again. They got that picked via San Jose's Sharks. Second was LA Kings. And in first place was Team E. Team E was the team that got eliminated. So Rangers. Phase two was the eight teams that got eliminated went into a hat, and the team that was picked out was the New York Rangers, which meant that New York Rangers got the first round draft pick of the 2020 season. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense the way you've explained it. I don't know if it's the best yeah. solution. And have the NHL only done this because obviously the season didn't finish properly? Yes, yes, yeah. pretty much. So the, the other seven teams um, then uh, went into phase three of the draft. Um, so that would be places nine to 15, which went Minnesota Wild went ninth, Winnipeg Jets 10th, Nashville Predators 11th, Florida Panthers 12th, Carolina Hurricanes via Toronto 13th, Edmonton Oilers 14th, and Pittsburgh or Minnesota 15th. And the reason it would be Pittsburgh or Minnesota is because of the they will have a, a trade depending on where those teams finish at the end of the season. So that's not been decided yet. Um, so all a bit confusing, but ultimately the main talking point was that New York Rangers got the first round draft pick, even though they finished something like 40 points ahead of Detroit Red Wings, who finished last. So how can a team who finishes 40 points ahead of another team end up three spots ahead of them in the draft? It just doesn't seem fair, but that's why it's a lottery. That's why they do it this way. I suppose so. No, you can. I mean, there's there's an argument, but is it? And I must admit, I don't know um, this year's draft year class in terms of the the players. The only one name I know is Lafreniere, but I couldn't really talk about his qualities. You know, from the from pick one to four. Is there that much difference in the overall ability of player and, and how he's going to perform in the NHL in that course of time? I agree. I, I personally think you know the team that were in last place should probably have that first pick. I don't know. Detroit have been pretty poor now for a number of years and an organisation that um, has always got such a good winning culture. Um, you know, to see them like, like that is it's quite sad. 
I think the counter argument with that though is that their budget's the same as every other team in the NHL. So be better, recruit better. Fair points. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fair and, points. And, and and you know it's easy to say that you know the they were last. So they you know so what I think what was happening the reason they brought the lottery in the lottery was still a part of the NHL. They've just enhanced it this year because of the situation that we're in. But the lottery, the reason they brought it in was because the teams at the bottom by, say, the November, December time were just throwing games in order to get last place, in order to get first-round draft pick. So they put the lottery in for the bottom five teams in order to make it a fairer, you know, so teams just couldn't throw points away at the end of the season kind of thing. Um, just to go back on that, do you, do you really believe teams threw games? I don't think teams do, but I think GMs might have, you know, sent guys down or brought AHL players up or, you know, did did something to, you know, get that first round pick. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I, I was going to say I think Detroit has got a problem anyway. I think you know you can't you can't go like like you said really. I know the way that the draft works. It's usually that you know the bottom place team gets first draft, but at the end of the day they. They haven't been performing for a number of years. There's something serious going on there, and they need to restructure and, and get it right and, and stop trying to blame other people, really, for it. Yeah. I don't think team players are throw games, Tom. I don't think that's the case. But yeah. I do think that GMs and uh, you know owners certainly would... Work you know, their way into that position. Work their way around it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like a guy like Lafrenia is going to make a huge difference to New York. Yeah. And they, they got, I think they got second round or first round last year with uh, Capo, Capo, Capo. Yeah. I think they yeah. went one or two. So in the last two years, they've got two of the best player, junior players coming through in the world. But fortunate for them, they need to, you know, they need to perform now. Yeah. And will Lafrenier, will, will he be a walk on? Will he, will he come in and make Straight a sudden, in. sudden in, in impact? Because obviously Capo had such a good. Um, was it World Championships or yeah. such a strong player? Has he made the impact for New York this year that they, no. they hope? But what they've said about Lafreniere is that he's the, the, the player that they match him up to is Sidney Crosby. Right. That's a game, so I think it'd be interesting. Oh, I want to take some predictions from you guys for the round of 16. So... We have the games. Some games have been played last night. Some games have been played at the moment. But I want to take your series predictions um, for for these these games if I can, and we'll keep hold of them and, and check them at the end of the round and see who was closest. Okay. So the first game: Columbus Blue Jackets versus Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I don't know if people watched, but last night, uh, the game one went to five periods of overtime. Uh, the, the game was. Seemed to go on forever. And when I was watching the highlights this morning, it said, what? First period of overtime, second period of overtime, third period of... I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, so those guys virtually played over two and a half games of hockey in one evening. Um, eventually, Tampa Bay scored um, in the fifth period of overtime to win 3-2 and give themselves a 1-0 series lead. Tom, how do you think that series will go? Uh, and can you give me your prediction? Um, I'm gonna go, and I, I'm I might be wrong with this, but is Stamkos injured? Yes. 
Yeah, so I, I think with Sampdos in the lineup, I, I think I'd go Tampa. I think without him, I think they're still a very good hockey club and they've got a great coach in John Cooper. But I don't know. Like you said before, they're all so close and any one of these teams can win it. But um, I think Tampa are a really, really solid team. But I'm finding it hard to look past John Tortorella's Columbus, to be fair. So I'm going to go with Columbus. And how many games? In how many games? Yeah. Oh, I think it'll go seven. Columbus in seven. Steve? I think it'll be lightning. But I'm okay. only going, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I don't watch NHL a lot, but I'm just going from what I, I can see on the standings. And I know you shouldn't take the standings on the, the leagues and that, but I, I'm going to go lightning on that. Um, and I think lightning will take it in four games. Four games, they're going to shut them out. Yeah. Well, I'm with Tom. I, I think Columbus in six. Uh, I just think I've watched Columbus in the first series that they played against Toronto and they were able to shut down their star players. Uh, their work ethic was through the roof. So for me, I'm going to go with Columbus in six. Uh, the next one we got is Chicago Blackhawks versus Vegas Golden Knights. They played last night a game. Um, Vegas beat them 4 1. Very dominant performance from Vegas uh, so for me I'm going to take Vegas in five uh, Steve we'll go to you first I I, I think uh, the Blackhawks I think the Knights will do it but I think the Blackhawks will give them a, 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 a tough ride and I think it'll go Vegas uh, six six okay Tom I'm going Vegas in five like you I, I, I think Blackhawks are a tremendous organisation, some, some unbelievable um, NHL guys who have who've had fantastic careers. But I just really like the look and the feel of the, of the Knights lineup. Um, I think they're really workmanlike. I think the impact that they made in last year's finals was phenomenal. And, and they, they're, they're just a really solid group, I think. That, and they ultimately they, they, they wear teams down. Um, and I think they're, they're a real kind of top. I, th I think they'll they'll be what, in the, the semi-finals there. So uh, they're a strong prediction for me. I like the Knights and I like the way they play. And I just like uh, seeing an all-round solid group of uh, honest hockey players. Totally agree. Love the way they play. Obviously, I said in the last episode, I got a soft spot for the Knights as I was there when they drafted the team. But... Yeah, I think they're uh, I think they're a really talented group. Uh, the next one's Calgary Flames versus Dallas Stars. I watched a lot of Calgary uh, in the in the playing rounds. Really liked the game. I've not watched much of Dallas this year, but I think Calgary in six. Uh, Calgary took a one to nil lead series lead last night as they held on to beat the Dallas Stars three two in game one. Um, so I will take Calgary in six. Tom? You, you've got my predictions exactly right. I was going to go Calgary in six as well. Um, again, very similar to, to Vegas. I think they've got a real strong desire to compete and to win. They've got a tough um, round, obviously, with Dallas. Guys like Pravelski and Ben, and um, they're, they're a very solid lineup. But I just think Calgary uh, might have the edge on that one. Yeah. Morgan? Um, 
I'm going to say Calgary, but I, I'm going to I'm going to say because with the playoffs, because the games played at such a you know a kind of passionate way and that I think there'll be some you know penalties here and there, and I think the uh, the Flames uh, will, will get it from their power play position because they're they're strong on the old power plays, aren't they? Calgary Flames as well. So yeah. I'm going to go Flames, and I'm going to, it's going to go close. I'm going to say five Flames in five games. You know that that means they win 4-1, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, earlier today, Boston played Carolina. Um, that went to two, the two periods of overtime, and Boston eventually won 4-3. Uh, so, Boston currently have a 1-0 lead in that series. Um, Moggy, we'll go to you first. What's your prediction on that series? Oh, I'm going to go... Right against the grain here, because I know Boston have, have, have done well in the league and that, but I, they haven't had a good start to it. But I think the Hurricanes, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna beat Bruins, I think. And I'll go Hurricanes. Uh, Hurricanes in six. Six. Okay, Tom? I'm going to say, I think this is, will be a, a tight series as well. And obviously, today's game kind of shows that. But I think Boston have probably got a little bit more quality. Not necessarily more experience, but certainly in winning. Um, with guys like Bergeron, um, Jara, and what's the rat called? The uh, kid with the big nose. Marshawn, that's the one. Uh, I just think that... <laughs> the, the, yeah. I think they've got that experience of winning and, and they... They've had a solid um, regular season, so I, but I'm going to go Boston in seven. That's exactly what I'm going, Boston in seven. I think it'll be tight, but I, I think Boston will just have the edge on them. Too much experience. So the next one's New York Islanders versus Washington Capitals. Um, if I was betting, I would take Washington, uh, but I, I don't know. I've just got this feeling about the Islanders, uh, so I'm going to go with the Islanders in six. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Um, I think I'll, I'll put my money on the caps and I'm going to say in five. Mm-hmm. Okay, Moggy? I'm going to go reverse it round. I'm going to go Islanders in five. Okay. The reason I say the Islanders is defensively they're very good. But I just don't think Washington, since they won the cup, they just don't have the same, I don't know, like need to win it. Like when yeah. they won the cup, they, they wanted to, like they were desperate almost. Oh, yeah. And I, I just think that the Islanders are going to be too good. Uh, so, next one's, uh, as you spoke about earlier, Moggy, Colorado Avalanche versus the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, yeah, Darcy Kemper's been playing great for the Coyotes. Um, but have the Avalanche got too much? Uh, Tom, what do you think? Uh, I just think Colorado, Colorado, too many bears. Uh, Colorado are uh, unclear who their kind of starter is. And I, I think that brings a few question marks into things. And um, obviously, Colorado got a solid PP, fifth in the league last year. Um, and uh, I don't know, I think goaltending's key in a, in a playoff series. So I'm going to go Phoenix or Arizona. Um, and I'm going to say in six. Arizona in six. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take Colorado in six. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I, I think Colorado. 
Um, I don't know. Um, I say in seven. Colorado in seven. Right. I think that's not a bad shout. Uh, two more left. Montreal Canadiens versus Philadelphia Flyers. Now, if you haven't been watching Philadelphia Flyers, they are playing some hockey. Uh, those boys look sharp. They look good. They look ready for the playoffs. They absolutely obliterated everyone that was in front of them in the um, the group stages prior to this knockout uh, set stage. So I think Philadelphia will, will batter Montreal, to be to be honest. And I think it will be in five games. Um, so I'm taking Philly in five. Uh, Steve, we've got you first. I, th- I think the same as you there. I think Philly will, will come on strong. And I think um, with the Canadians, how bad they've done. I think... Um, I think Philly will do it in four. I think they'll just railroad them. Yeah. I'm, go- I'm going Philly in four. Philly are one of my favourite teams over the last few years to watch. I'm a, I'm a big Claude Giroux fan. I think he's got unbelievable skill set. And I think when you pair him up with, with guys like Boracek, I think they're, they're, they're always a, a difficult team. But I think what's been important for them, they've, they've found some good goaltending uh, over the last yeah. few years. I don't think they've, they've, they've perhaps had that. They've always had this this really strong PP, but this year, their penalty kill's been excellent. I think what they were they were fifth in the league, averaged ninety percent. They're solid in the face-off circle. Uh, so I'm 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 going to say Philadelphia in four. I really like them as a group. They've got some exciting young players and some really good defensive guys in Couturier um, that that really make them tick. So uh, yeah, for me, Flyers in four. Uh, I wouldn't be disappointed to see them go all the way. That's for sure. Brilliant. And the last. Series we have is Vancouver Canucks versus the reigning champions, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, very difficult, this one for me. I've actually gone with St. Louis Blues in seven. I think this is going to be a real tight series. I think St. Louis are going to try and batter Vancouver, but Vancouver did well against uh, Minnesota. Same, same sort of team, so it'll be interesting in this series, I think. Uh, Tom, we'll come to you first. Um, yeah, obviously defending champions, St. Louis. I know they weren't, uh, I don't think they played some of their best hockey um, in, in the, the round robin, perhaps a little bit of complacency. But I know listening to Peter Angelo previously, they're very confident in themselves. And I think if you back them into a corner and, and they're actually playing for, for something, that they're, they're really going to come out and play. And, and I think they've got the ability to defend the cup as well. So I don't know a lot about Vancouver, um, and obviously we've got some exciting young guys in, in Patterson um, and, and Quinn Hughes, but I just think there's perhaps that St. Louis team have, have got the edge with, with the experience of last year. So I'm going to say Vancouver in, sorry, St. Louis in, in six. Six, okay. Yeah. Obviously Bennington there as well, uh, Stanley Cup winning goal. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I saw Ryan O'Reilly play a few years ago in the World Championships in, in Prague, and I was, I've always been really impressed with him. I think not necessarily a flashy guy, but somebody that really contributes in every zone, um, solid in the face-off circle, and, and, and you know he's a, he's a great leader for that team. Yeah, but one of one of many great leaders. Yeah, Margie, last one. Who are you going with? I think, I think the blue. No, I'm not going with the Canucks. I'm going with the Canucks. I'm going with the Blues. I think that. I think the Blues will just have too much for the the Canucks. The Canucks. And yeah. uh, how many? Um, I think it'll be in six. In six. Okay, great. So we've got our predictions there. We'll go over them. 
hopefully the next time we're on and we'll see how we're getting on. Um, guys, thanks very much for joining us tonight. I've, I've had fun. I hope you guys have had fun. Yep, cheers. And uh, hopefully the next time you join us on the pod, we'll have our host, James Lou back. He's greatly missed. He uh, does a great job for us. So uh, it'd be good no, to have No, I'd him. get rid of him. Bin him off. Get rid of him. a good host tonight, Scott. Oh, He's gone on holiday when he knew this was happening tonight. He should have been. <laughs> liberty, eh? So, yeah, um, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.